0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Hog Podcast. As always, I'm Mag Zucker, and along for the ride, as always, is Sean Conway. Sean, it's been a k- interesting first week of summer. We're going to kind of get into that here, into this block. Other than that, it's been kind of hot and muggy in Chicago until today, where it's been a just brilliant and beautiful 72 degrees, sunny, nice breeze and everything. Man, you can't ask for any more on a better uh, summer day in June. What's going on with you? Not too much.
1: Lindsay and I uh, woke up super early this morning to take our uh, engagement photos out at Giant City. We were out there by like 6.30 this morning. It was really early for a Saturday morning to get out there. There was a self-timer on my camera, so hopefully they turned out all right. We're not really sure. If they didn't turn out all right, no harm, no foul. We'll just do it again with Retakes. someone you know, right. actually manning the camera as opposed to just using the self-timer. But uh, outside of that, just a lot more biking. You know, I've been talking about how much biking I've been doing. I put over 100 miles on the bike this last week. And, Jesus, good for you. you know, along with that, a lot more uh, a lot more heavy bag training. I've been getting back into boxing. Those migraines have kind of been a, a distant memory, knock on wood so far. But uh, I haven't really had any issues, so I've been kind of getting back into the more swing of things. But as I was biking the other day through one of the, the nicer neighborhoods in Carbondale, kind of hit me with all this that's going on in the country right now especially with a lot of the racial injustices how it just speaks to what kind of privilege people that are white like you and I have that you know we take True. for granted and we don't really you know recognize until we see these injustices happen and we see them you know constantly happening i was riding my bike like i said through a really nice neighborhood and i was thinking you know what if i wasn't white riding my bike through this neighborhood i wouldn't be saying hi and waving to Every person I, I went by, or if, even if I did, who's to say that they would say hi and wave back, or if they would pull out their phone and call the cops for a suspicious activity riding a bike through neighborhood? I was, you know, just doing cardio. I don't have to worry right. about that though. Unlike you know people like Ahmad Arbery, who back in February we all know was gunned down by two racists, uh, Travis McMichael and Gregory McMichael, as well as uh, William B- uh, Bryan. I'm not sure what those what he his involvement was. But the uh, the father son duo, the McMichaels, they uh, they gunned him down just for running through the neighborhood because he thought he was being suspicious, and that was that's uh, bullshit. It was it was pretty crazy. The, no charges came until the video finally dropped. I feel like that was back in April, maybe, or maybe the beginning of May that that happened. And it was one of the three incidences I wanted to kind of uh, just you know mention that everyone's kind of talking about right now. That you know the Ahmad Arby was one of the first ones from this year. Uh, on top of that, yesterday was Brianna Taylor's, or would have been Brianna Taylor's, 27th birthday. She was the uh, the the black woman in Lo- in Louis- uh, excuse me, in, in Louisville, who was shot during a uh, unannounced police search warrant, and they actually had the the wrong guy, the wrong place. The person they were looking for was already in police custody, but when they broke in, her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker grabbed his gun, thinking someone was breaking in, and started shooting. Well, the police who were invading returned fire with over 20 shots, killing Brianna Taylor. Jesus. And then they ended up arresting Walker for a attempted murder of a police officer charge. But thankfully, the judge ended up dropping that because it was an unannounced police search warrant for the wrong guy, and they already had the guy in custody. It was just a, a, another awful case of mistaken identity just based off of race. A lot of injustices that are happening. Everyone knows, though, the biggest one that, well, I wouldn't say the biggest, they're all huge, but the, the one that's on everyone's mind right now is the protests going on around the country focused on the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. Max, what was, uh, before I go into this, what was, what was your take on this? I know there were a lot of peaceful protests going on and that, were, that started getting escalated into violence. What, 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 before I give my take, what was, what, what was yours on this?
0: Well, my t- I don't really have like exactly I guess a take I mean I, I think this was long overdue, Sean, that the racial inequality in America is, you know, been recycled generation after generation after generation. And people are finally sick I mean and really sick of it and are fed up to this level that we are gonna continue to have these protests until things maybe become more at a balanced level. And exactly like you said, we're two privileged white people essentially. And, uh, you know, we don't know what these, you know, a lot of these people have been going through just because of the privileges, you know, that we've been granted, you know, day in and day out. My message kind of right now, Sean, isn't necessarily to have a take on something. My message is for white people to understand right now that things are going to be uncomfortable and that's okay. For right now, we have to be uncomfortable to finally get comfortable. I guess that would be my my main... My main tank of that, but go ahead. I know you want to talk a little bit more into George Floyd before I, before I go into uh, more on his case as well.
1: My whole thing is, well, I've seen a lot of people on... on, on for me, there, there shouldn't be sides in this one. There should be the right side and the wrong side. And the right side in this one is George Floyd did not have to die. There was absolutely right. no reason for that. Zero. People who are, who are, who are on the internet saying he, you know, he has a criminal past... That's irrelevant. People who are on the internet saying that these people who are doing the protests are thugs. No, these protests are going peacefully. It, the, when the violence escalates at these peaceful protests, from the videos I've been watching, I mean, uh, yes, I have a limited scope because I'm not actually there, but from the, from the video I've seen a, a lot of these protests across the nation, the escalation has started on the police side at these peaceful protests, from cops just losing yes. their their control, really. And outside of that, when it comes to the rooting, the, the looting, the rioting, the burning of buildings, the, the destroying of, of of other things, those aren't from the peaceful protesters from the Black Lives Matter protests. Those are from the opportunists, the people who are looking to you know riot and loot and and, and get out there and you know. Cause a little craziness, a little bit of anarchy. Those aren't the Black Lives Matter protests. All those activists are out there. They want the peaceful protests, and it's. I've been. I feel like I've. I've developed a stomach ulcer this past week arguing, with just ignorance on the internet, and I feel. One thing that I've also learned with this week that you know, you can't argue with stupid people, and it. <coughs> it, it I've really. I've. I've. I've really tried to. Uh, to voice you know I'll be a champion for you know for the cause this past week and it's just, it's just really been draining me but outside of that I feel like there's a major need for police reform in this country not saying that oh every God, police yes. officer is bad but I again if, no. if you are standing by any of the officers in any of these incidences, even in the pro- how they're handling the protests too that is it's, it's it's uncalled for right now right now you need to be supporting the the movement that you know black people are 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 unjustly treated by the but police in compared in comparison to the you know the white you know counterparts that they have
0: all my shot all minorities are in this case this is you know i mean as much as this is about uh black lives matter in this it's, it's about the other minorities who are getting racially profiled as well but exactly the number of you know Young black and young uh and you know young black men and women who have been incarcerated incarcerated. I mean, over nothing or over these you know very lewd things. It I mean it 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 destroys this country. It really destroys it really this has. country. I feel the biggest thing. Sorry for interrupting you, but no go I for it. The
1: the biggest thing that that I feel has been infringed on. This past couple of weeks with all these protests going on. Is. Everyone's constitutional rights, your, your right to freedom of speech, your right to, yes. to, to assemble for protest. Right. And, it's, and I feel like it, it's, it's getting kind of scary. The, the state of the country, you know, they had these crazy curfew enforcements where everyone had to be inside. You see the videos of, of the National Guard coming in saying people to get inside or the police coming in saying to get inside and people are on their porch, and they're getting crowd-controlled with tear gas for being on their porch. Ridiculous. I mean, absolute ridiculous. See these videos of these police officers just shoving down really old men? I, I saw this, this old man. A yeah, 75-year-old man. Cr- yeah, cracked his head open because he got pushed over for walking on the sidewalk during the police sweeping the street. And... It just shows. I, I feel there needs to be more training to become a police officer. I mean, yes. why, 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 why not? Why six months? Why not four years to become a police officer? You should have to go to a four-year institution, even if like college, right? University, yeah, a four-year police academy. It should be a six-month police right. academy. You should also there should be way more training in de-escalation techniques, so there's never an incident, or there should be less of an incident, I should say. Where someone who's using a potentially fake twenty dollar bill ends up getting restrained with a knee on his neck for uh, nine also minutes. On, it... on, for nine minutes. On top of that, other ways of restraint. There, a knee to the neck is should never be in the in the playbook for an officer while detaining a police while detaining a uh, a potential suspect, I should say. On top of that, I feel like they need to demilitarize the police. There's, I, I've seen some of these videos of the riot control and it looks like it's the army versus american citizens and it's absolutely literally appalling it's absolutely appalling
0: no sean no you're absolutely right it is i mean police brutality is something that has gone on in this country forever i mean you know we, we forget about what happens you know because me and you are just so young um you know, but we forget about what happened in the 60s and the 70s and all the, you know, the riots and the lynchings back then. I mean, it still continues to this day. The fact that today that we have to even focus time. And on really, and Sean, this is, I was talking about this with one of my friends uh, earlier this week. And really, it's over the color of somebody's skin? I mean, at this point just, in time. It, like, and, and it's prejudice. Like, it's People who, what? Who, who are keeping prejudices like, in. It's because disgusting. they they are
1: ignorant and honestly i know we don't really speak much on these topics that's why we might sound a little you know off here and there on what we're talking about we're more of sports guys but we felt like we really needed to take this first block to you know get make sure that you know people are aware that changes need to come on both you know police reform and as a, as ourselves we need to do better to be more understanding and be more accepting of other people and you know strive to make everyone feel like they belong
0: yeah right exactly and that's the biggest thing sean is it's that sense of belonging it's not just oh well you know we've you know we're gonna pass some things and now you're here it's that sense of actually being belonging uh, loved and belonged in this country that has just so many different cultures and backgrounds and ethnicities that we can really, you know, learn and actually profit from. Uh, one final thing on my standpoint, I have a quote from Jonathan Taze. Bear with me; it is a little bit long, but I really think, Sean, this is a great stance from uh, a popular uh, white male athlete, and I just think this this is uh, a good thing to throw into our in our show. Taze said this. He said, I can't pretend for a second that I know what it feels like to walk in a black man's shoes. However, seeing the video of George Floyd's death and the violent reaction across the country moved me to tears. It has pushed me to think how much pain are black people and other minorities really feeling? What have Native American people dealt with in both Canada and the United States? What is it really like to grow up in their world? Where I am ignorant about the privileges that I may have that others don't, compassion to me is at least trying to feel and understand what someone else is going through. For just a moment, maybe I can try and see the world through their eyes. COVID has been rough, but has given us the opportunity to be much less preoccupied with our busy lives. We can no longer distract ourselves from the truth of what is going on. My message isn't for black people and what they should do going forward. My message is to white people to open their eyes and our hearts. That's the only choice we have. Otherwise this will continue. Let's choose to fight hate and fear with love and awareness ask not what can you do for me but what can I do for you be the one to make the first move in the end love conquers all hashtag black lives matter and Sean I know that's that was a little bit long but that's exactly how I'm feeling right now it's just the way there what kind of what Jonathan was speaking in this quote is exactly kind of how I'm feeling too love in the end love will conquer all well put well put
1: We're going to take a quick break here on the Sports Hogs podcast. On the flip side of this break, we're going to dive back into sports, going into the second half of the first round for the bids and snubs bracket. You're listening to the Hogs podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. Hi, this is Lenny Kravitz for Artists Against Racism. Beyond race, beyond religion, beyond culture, there lies beauty within us all. Don't be silent in the face of racism
0: and we're back here on the sportsaholic podcast sorry if there's there's going to be a little bit of traffic in my uh, neighborhood i should have mentioned that prior to the show so if you heard a little uh, a lot of cars passing by or if you hear continued to passing by that's uh, why we have a local protest going on so that's why there's been a rush of cars on my block. As of now, is I believe it's about what Sean about one thirty here on Saturday, and I believe the protests are about to start at about two or two thirty around here. So uh, that's why you've been hearing the cars. Anyways, enough of that, uh, Sean. Let's get into bids and snobs. This has been a really fun portion of our show the last couple of weeks, and let's uh, let's take into our first matchup, shall we? Yeah, no, definitely. I believe you had
1: Joe Mauer, and I had Mark Teixeira on the first matchup for this week for the on the bid side of the bracket. I'll go first with Mark Teixeira. Uh, first off, he had a 50.6 WAR, mashed over 409 or mashed 409 homers to say. Had a career batting average of .268, and uh, let's see, he also had uh, had just under 1,300 RBIs, a pretty damn good slash line at 360, 509, 869. Three-time All-Star, three-time Silver Slugger, five-time Golden Glove winner. He was the, and that was in, two, um, in 2009, he was a World, Ch- World Series champion. He was the AL home run leader in 2009, as well as being the AL RBI leader over his 14-year career. That would be the majority of what his resume would be max what makes joe mauer better than that to uh, move on to the next round
0: well the fact that he played a harder position and catcher nothing against six share but there's been a plenty of great uh first baseman including his name but mauer six-time all-star three-time batting champion in fact he's the only catcher sean to win three batting titles his 365. Mark uh, got him the MVP award in 2009, and that 365 mark is the highest batting average for any catcher with at least 500 plate appearances. He registered a higher war than tick share with a 55.3. And he did it all with the Twins, which I, I kind of like when guys play with their career you know, with just one team. It's harder to do that in free agency, which I just think makes Maurer a little bit more of a special case than Tickshare. But again, Tickshare did have a great career. I agree.
1: I think Maurer's going to have to have the edge in this one. What about you?
0: Yeah, let's take Maurer. I just think he's got a little bit more desti- defining stats than... Uh, Shera. Speaking of other great first basemen, this is a guy who I think will one day be a slam dunk, although only got 16.5% of the votes on his first year of eligibility, and that would be Mr. Todd Helton, Sean Conway, who registered a okay. 61.8 career war with uh, the Rockies. Uh, he played again. Same like Mauer. these guys suited up for only one team. Helton's flash line is very impressive, Batted 316 with a 414 on base percentage, 539 slugging percentage, had more walks than strikeouts, had 369 career home runs, which is the most in Rockies franchise history. His 592 doubles is 19th all time, and he drove in 1,406 RBIs. He's the only player, Sean Conway, to have 100 extra base hits in back to back seasons. And one last point on Helton, besides what a tear he was on offense, again, being over a three hundred career, uh, career hitter, he was a three-time Gold Glove Award winner, and his 1,726 assists is second all-time, and his 2,038 double plays is third most all-time. All
1: right. I, I, you know, that resume sounds pretty good. Not sure if it can stack up to... To who we have. We're going against Mr. October Jr. That would be the now villainous Carlos Beltran. Oh, His war dad. absolutely blows Todd Helton's out of the water at a 70.1 career war. He matched 435 home runs. Career batting average 279. Over 1,500. Actually, just under 1,600 RBIs. 312 stolen, RB, uh, stolen bases. I should say stolen RBIs. A slash line of 350, 486, and 837. He was the 1999 Rookie of the Year. He's a nine-time All-Star, three-time Golden Glove, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner. However, I feel like this is where Helton has him beat in this stat category right here. In 2017, in he had in his at bats for 2017. He had 138 can bangs. That was the third most <laughs> for the Astros. In most of his uh, in his plate appearances, he had can bangs on 18.1 percent of his pitches, nearly one fifth of his pitches faced. On top of that. Beltron himself hit the can four hundred and eighty-six times, had forty-two hidden buzzers, seventy-eight whistles, and one ring with an asterisk, and for that reason I think Todd Helton moves on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give you all those reasons there. I liked how you brought that up. You know, in terms of career war and if you look at this guy's you know, if you kind of if you look away from the steroid guys and, you know, Pete Rose, yeah, this guy wore and what he did offensively would put Beltron in the Hall of Fame but like Rose and like most of those guys like Bonds and McGuire and Sosa have been, you know, essentially nixed at this point of their Hall of Fame bid, I think here on the Sportsholic Podcast, let's nix, uh, exactly, let's nix Beltran and we'll keep Todd helping moving on. Let's move on now, Sean, to the snub side of the bracket. Well, I'll talk first, I'll do, let's talk a little Johnny Damon here. Johnny Damon, sir, we know he had Hall of Fame hair when he was with the Red Sox, but let's talk about his actual career. He was a two-time All-Star, a two-time World Series champ. Baseball reference has him at a 56.3 career war. He had 2,769 hits with 235 home runs, 1,139 RBIs, and 408 swiped bags uh Damon you know if you think about it was a great leadoff hitter you think about that 4 Red sox team uh Sean Conway he was obviously a huge part of it but uh let's let's hear let's hear let's hear your arguments here on the other side what's your counter
1: well for mine he's one of the greatest defensive first basemen of all time actually i would say he is the greatest defensive first baseman of all time that'd be keith hernandez yes he had eleven gold gloves and that is the most by a first baseman in oh, wow. league history. On top of that, he was the 79 NL MVP as well as the batting champ that season. As well, he has a career WAR of 60.3. It's a little bit higher than his uh his opponent here. So that gives him the edge over Johnny Damon a little bit. On top of that, two World Series championships, two Silver Slugger awards. He had a career batting average 296. A uh, spectacular slash line at 384, 436, 821. Oh wow! Honestly, I feel that kind of resume being one of the great, being I would say probably the best, one of the best first basemen of all time. Keith Hernandez has to be. Above here, above Damon. Yeah, nothing Agreed? against
0: Damon. He's a good, you know what I mean, Sean? He was a good enough player, but like you said, two-time all-star versus, you know, a guy who, who has, you said, the most gold gloves by first bases. All right, well, that might be a future trivia question. Not today, but in the future, now that you're giving me that little tip-off there, I appreciate that. Um, last match, but yeah, I'll agree here. Let's... Let's have Keith Hernandez uh, move on to the next side of this bracket. Last matchup, Sean, a pair of old greats. Dave Parker, who you're going to be battling for. And I got Mr. Vida Blue, a guy that a lot of people don't talk about, but was a six-time All-Star and a three-time World Series champion, Sean. Uh, He won, obviously, all three of those World Series with those great athletics teams back in the 70s. 45.1 career war with 209 career wins. Lifetime ERA of 3.27 with a FIP of 3.43. My reasoning for why I really like Vita Blue and would really like him to advance on comes down to these uh, quick things. And that would be his complete games and his shutouts. Vita Blue had 143 complete games and 37 of those were shutouts. In fact, again, in that year he won the Cy Young MVP and ERA title, he had 20 Four complete games with eight of those being shutouts I mean that's just yeah I mean that's 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 pretty impressive but what do you got on Dave Parker sir all right so
1: the Cobra as he was uh yeah he was you know called by the uh by fans played a lot of his career in um or a lot of his 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 career I should say with the Pirates um didn't have quite the war that Vita Blue had. had a career war of 40.1. He had... uh, Quite a number of hits. Over 2,700 hits. He had uh, 339 home runs, 290 career batting average, significant slash line, 339, 471, 810, uh, just under 1,500 RBIs. He was the 78 NL MVP, and he was... The uh, batting champ in 78 and 79 as well. The same year with uh, Hernandez. They were tied for the, the title that year. He's a seven-time All-Star. Three-time Gold Glove winner. Two t- three-time Silver Slugger. Two-time World Series champion as well. Also, this was an interesting stat. Not sure if it gives him the edge over Vital Blue, but I thought this was pretty interesting. He was the first professional athlete to average $1 million per year. On his salary, he signed a five-year, five-million-dollar contract with the Pirates wow. in 1979. Uh, during his
0: uh,
1: his, you know, MVP or following up his MVP year, I should say.
0: Man, if man, if only the Pirates would spend more money today. What a true shame than the million dollars <laughs> that they normally give their players, even in today's world. No, I don't think that's enough. Just on that, but I do think that's a really cool fun fact. Unless you're in total disagreements with me, I think by, and I think very slightly, but by a slight margin here, uh, I think Vita Blue should go to the next route. No argument on my side here. Excellent, excellent, Sean Conway. Well, we will take another quick break here on the Sportsaholic Podcast. And on the flip side of this break, we'll kind of give an update about what's going on and the, uh, everything else in the old world of sports right here on the Sportsaholic Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway.
1: There are a few things Max or I like more than tossing back a few beers and watching the game.
0: But don't worry, if you happen to miss the game, we have got your back. Tune into the Sports Hall Podcast with myself, Max Zucker, alongside Sean Conway, with new episodes available weekly on SoundCloud.
1: Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with new shows and our occasional takes on things happening in the sports
0: world throughout the week. And we're back here on the Sportsaholic Podcast. Sean, let's get into the rest of the sports action this week. Looks like baseball is still in a deadlock between the league and the Players Association. Uh, the 30-team owners are at a steadfast right now to aim the season by November 1st. So this is going to be the big, the big piece of this, Sean. Uh, Diamondbacks owner, Ken Kendrick already voiced earlier this week that ownership's model of not playing in uh, November, quote-unquote, will never be changed. So this means that the players will probably at this point not be able to get an 82-game season, uh, far less than the cry of 114 games that was uh, proposed. Recently they've been talking about doing about a 48-game season. That would seem on play right now if everything goes well and again the owners right now like i said they're not going to be moving from that november standpoint so baseball players it's up to you essentially do you want to play do you not want to play because the owners again are at the steadfast and it's not going to go the season's not going to go past november 1st you know even with the cries from the players association
1: yeah they 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 turned down that 114 game um Plan and they have no counter proposal in the works to 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 throw into the, to the uh, as an offer. Um, you mentioned they wanted to be done by November because they fear the second wave of COVID is going to come in November, and that would jeopardize yes the playoffs. And they if they jeopardize the playoffs, they would jeopardize as well 787 million dollars in broadcast revenue. So I can understand where the owners are coming from at this point right now. It's on the players. Do you want to play ball this year? Do you, is it in your blood that you want to play baseball, or, or, or are you cool with taking the year off? That's and pretty I'm much like, what it's gotten to at this point. I and understand and okay why players you. don't want to take you know, less money, but at the same time, if you want to play ball, you got to
0: play ball. But it's not just that, too. I mean, like, exactly. So you're grown men. You're professional athletes. Like, if you want to take a little revenue share and still play, it, my thought again, again with this COVID stuff going on is, do you risk the 48 game games to get a little bit paid in the end and, and you, you, you know, you make the country feel happier because, you know, baseball's coming back and we're going to have, you know, a postseason? Or do you go, this has been a really painful negotiation with this COVID stuff going on, we're just going to cancel it. And really, by next March, we should be able to rack and roll with fans in our in our seats. You know, either way, I don't really care what happens. But this is, I guess, probably the final proposal is where, again, we're already in the month of June, Sean. I agree. So
1: there may not be any baseball this year. That's okay. If I mean, it's not okay. I, I really was looking forward to watching some baseball this year. But at least there's Korean baseball. Isn't that right, Max? the NBA has announced a plan to return, just like the NHL did, except for two less teams, I guess. Yes. The NBA Board of Governors approved a 22-team format, 13 from the Western Conference, 9 from the Eastern Conference, and they'll play eight regular season games to finish out the seeding for the playoffs. With possible play-in tournament for the eight seeds, uh, playoffs would be played at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. And then training in Orlando would uh, begin July 9th to 11th, roughly, with a season and playoff schedule shooting for July 31st to October 12th. So they're probably just going to have a shortened offseason, I would say. Maybe a little later start to next year's season as well to give them a little bit more rest and recovery. Yes. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. They're going to have, you know, uh, like three or four hours in between games at the same facilities. It's going to be like March Madness and just a bunch of games throughout the day. I mean, just imagine watching, waking up at 10 a.m. and watching an NBA playoff game.
0: No, you're talking about literally from probably about ten A. M. till ten PM at least you know at least for you know a, a, you know, till the seatings of uh you know, done. You know, the NBA also said that they got exactly it's all contingent on the agreement though with Walt Disney, obviously who owns ESPN. And for that the Walt Disney uh resort though would be used for all games practices and housing though. So that's gonna be the big piece is probably that housing piece. I would think that would be the only uh, snafu in this but other than that Sean I do think I, I have a feeling the NBA even is closer than the N- NHL to some degree and actually getting this uh, you know down so that we, you know we can see the resumption of the season I agree my only question if, if they're playing at Disney World where are the players going to go after they win the NBA Finals. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, go to, I don't know, Jamaica. Go on an island cruise, you know. Check out some. Do something I'm going to Universal
1: Studios.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do something better. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can see Moving more. on, a little bit of yes. uh, NFL
1: news. A lot of these uh, protests that were going on, we spoke about earlier. A lot of um, the tensions, I feel... Kind of were escalated from the the um, the pro the peaceful protest that Colin Kaepernick began back in what was it 2016? Yes. And since then he hasn't uh, he hasn't really seen up. much football action since then, and it has been pretty much blackballed. And it's kind of become a a, um, a hot stove topic, I feel, amongst uh, you know the the league and sports leagues and sports fans in general, and uh, in a sensitive time right now, I feel. Like we were saying earlier, us as, as white men, we need to strive to work to be better voices yes. for those who are you know less heard. And when you see people of power or authority that are white in the NFL making asinine comments in hindsight of what's going on, I feel like we need to mention it and, and, and do that. Vic Fangio and Drew Brees both made comments. Max, why don't you start... With what uh, with with what happened with Vic Fangio, uh,
0: you know, I really like Vic here when he was a member of the Chicago uh, Bears. You know, he's our defensive coordinator. But I really have changed my opinion on this. Like you said, you need to be a good, a better voice in this. I can't believe, and I think the word you said earlier was great, asinine. These comments are completely asinine. He said, "quote unquote," I think our problems in the NFL along those lines are minimal. We're a league of meritocracy. You earn what you get. You get what you earn. I don't see racism at all in the NFL. I don't see discrimination in the NFL. I mean, again, what's the boneheaded thing? And this is the stuff that really pisses me off, Sean, is the comments after. It's always the comments that you said were unjust, but I hate this stuff. Of course he says, you know, after. He goes, after reflecting on my comments yesterday and listening to the players This morning, I realized what I said regarding racism and discrimination in the NFL was wrong. I should have been more clear, and I am sorry. But it's like, okay, now I've made this, you know, I I said something stupid. I made this apology statement, so now, like, you know, let me wash my hands. I, I, I feel like it's just not that easy. You're a white coach here in the NFL who had the opportunity to speak up against Racism in your, uh, you know, respected sport, and you chose to do the opposite and deny it, and now you're going to come out with a bullshit statement like this. Screw you! I, 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 hate statements. I hate those. You know, it took me a minute to realize or, or reflect. Reflect while you say. Reflect while you speak. That's the best way. Not after. What do you got on Breeze? So, so Breeze also kind of had a slight foot and mouth, uh,
1: moment. I know like we said the the whole Colin Kaepernick protest has been a hot stove topic up until I would say the last couple of weeks for looking back in it, you know, hindsight 2020, right? Right. That wasn't that bad of a protest. That was I mean, that was probably as peaceful as you could have gotten the message across. Drew right. Brees was asked by a reporter about these protests and everything and how he would address people if they continued taking a knee and he said that he would never agree with disrespecting the flag Damn. which caught a lot of backlash pretty quick on the internet as you would assume so pretty quickly after that he issued a an apology video on his instagram account and he he seemed heartfelt i i know his heart was in the right place he, he's a very patriotic person but it he should have had the foresight to be like oh you know That's kind of a hot stove topic. I don't want to talk about it right now when everyone is, you know, feeling a a a certain type of way. I don't want to start the pot. He should have probably had that foresight. However, I want to place a little bit of the blame on the the news outlet slash reporter who would put him in that situation. I know they, as reporters, we were asked to, you know kind of push the envelope, see what we can get out of them, even if it was kind of looked down upon. But he knows if he asks that question, he's going to get a reaction out of one side or the other, either, you know, saying that he, he will support people who are protesting that because they're not protesting the flag when they kneel down, they're protesting the racial injustice. But, but uh, you know, and then you have the people on the other side who are angry if you if you support that for, you know, disrespecting the military and the flag, but it's not about that. And then on the flip side, if you if you say that, then you you're, you know, not standing up for, you know, the racial injustices. So it's kind of, he was kind of stuck in, in in a hard spot right there. But, but I okay, but that. Sure. I put a little bit of blame on the reporter. He should have had the foresight though to know not to speak in that kind of a, of, of a sense.
0: Right. My counter to that, Sean, is this is a very – I mean, it, Drew Brees is now gone, and this is, what, his 18th or 19th season in, in, in prof- professional football, and he spent, what, three or four years at that prior at the university – of Purdue. This is a guy who's been trained, Sean to speak to reporters, Speak, mm-hmm. you know, he's been speaking to the media for the last 20 plus years of his his life. He was trained at Purdue. They do that, you know, they train yeah. their students train how to address their, their, the their media. Athletes. And they and throughout the NFL you have, you know, people to coach you through that. So yeah, okay, the reporter's going to set it up. That like you said, that's the ethics and job of the reporter. Breeze's comments to me again were um, were trash Uh, he had the opportunity as one of the brighter Mm -hmm. moment you know people of the nfl one of the topper white people i would would say he's one of the faces of the league the top five faces right of the league he should have been a lot more cautious uh donald trump if you didn't see actually uh tweeted back to drew Brees saying you know after Brees uh apologized saying um, oh, you should rene- renegate that apology, your original comments uh, about the flag. You know, you should have stood by those. And at least from there retweeted the, uh, the uh, president saying, no, my comments and actions were still wrong. And I'm, you know, you know, whatever, still reflecting, you know, still hazing on, on what I said.
1: Well, good for him to, uh, you know, speak out again, especially to a uh, an Internet bully. Such yeah. as the man you mentioned. Anyways, let's take a quick break here on the Sportsaholics podcast. On the flip side of that, actually, no, we have one more thing we wanted to mention on. We were talking about the, the, the kneeing protests. Roger Goodell even released a statement this past week saying that the NFL was wrong on how they handled Colin Kaepernick's protests. They were always saying yes. it was about the flag, and now they get, now Roger Goodell understands, and he says the league now believes they, can, they should understand that it was never about the flag, like we are mentioning. Anyways, let's take a quick break on the Sports Podcast. On the flip side of this, Max is going to have some trivia. I'll have my drink of the week, and we'll have a lot more here on the Sports Alux Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. Hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin of Artists Against Racism. Racism is ignorance, but so is silence in the face of it. We're all one people with different faces from
0: different places, but we're all one people. And we're here for the final lap today of the Sportsaholic podcast, Sean. I'm really glad we addressed some of the issues going on in our countries, and I'm glad we were able to continue with uh, our sports uh, segments throughout uh, this week. Sean, we were talking about Todd Helton, one of the guys that's moving on in our uh, bracket. Obviously, uh, he, I mentioned earlier, with 369 career home runs, at the all-time leader Rockies home run leaders. There are five other players in Rockies history to have at least 200 home runs, Sean. Who are those five other Rockies to have 200 home runs in their Rockies career? So I'm not looking you know, total career. I'm looking at their Rockies numbers only. (sighs) After Helton, there'd be five guys again. Helton's the only one with 300-plus, again, at 369. The next guy on the list is 258, followed by... Three, uh, I'm sorry, two thirty nine, two twenty seven, again two twenty seven. This guy at just over two hundred at two oh one. Is Carlos Gonzalez on the list? Uh, he'd be one of those guys with two twenty seven. Okay. Ooh, what about um, Troy Tulowitzki? Troy Tulowitzki just fell off this list, actually, Sean, at one eighty eight. Okay. But I like that. I like that type of gas. Nolan Arenado. He would also have 227 like Carlos Gonzalez. Um, not Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday is 10th all-time with 130, and I know he had more than 300-something in his career, but he did that mostly with the Cardinals.
1: Okay. Uh, what about Larry Walker?
0: Larry Walker, nice. He's number two on the list with 258. Uh, the other two guys probably would have played with Larry Walker uh, more towards the end of the 90s or the early 2000s as well. So these guys would not be like on their current roster. Vinny Castilla. Nice, dude. Vinny Cass 239 career home runs. And this, again, the last guy in this list, I don't know if you would know him necessarily by name. Actually, his son, though, I'll give you one clue. His He has a son who plays for the Blue Jays right now. Um, Blue Jays. Yeah, there's like, you know, the, the Blue Jays have a lot. And I know, like, there's Vlad Guerrero, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. They have uh, Ka- Kevin Biggio, who's the son of Craig Biggio. They also have the son of this kid, uh... Uh, who I'm looking for. Obviously, I can't give his last name out because it's the same last name. So, Dante Bichette? Yeah, Dante Bichette and his son Bo Bichette uh, with the Blue Jays. But, yeah, Dante Bichette, the only other guy to have six or, uh, 200 career home runs with the Rockies. Nicely done. So, Helton, Walker, Castillo, Arenado, Carlos Gonzalez, and Dante Bichette. Uh, and like you were mentioned earlier, Troy Tulewitzki and then um, – Charlie Brackman, uh, Blackman, Andreas Galarraga, and Matt holiday Just kind of to, to give you the top ten to complete, but good job of naming the guys, Sean, with 200 or more. What are you drinking on? I found this one. It
1: caught my eye originally because it had, it looked like a Celtic Trinity knot on it, but it actually isn't an Irish beer at all. It's from Avery Brewing Company, which is actually one of those beer uh, com- the brewing companies I stopped at when I was in Boulder, Colorado last year. Okay. And this is... The Certatio Equestrius American Wild Ale, it's a sour ale. The eight point nine percent ABV. And this one itself was actually bottled June thirteenth, twenty sixteen. So it's actually just oh. under four years old. Um, June thirteenth actually is a, um, a near and dear date to my heart. That's my uh, my late grandfather's birthday. So that's cool as well. Very cool. Um. On top of that, it's a sour ale. I'm not really big into sours, but I saw this and it, it was also said it, it's um, it's a bourbon barrel aged sour mm. ale that has spearmint added. So it's supposed to be like based mm. on a mint julep, so it might not taste so much like a okay. beer. I haven't had a sip yet of it yet. But it's it's supposed to taste less of a beer and more like a mixture, so let me give it a let me give it a swig. It definitely tastes like a like a sour mixed drink. I can definitely see the mint julep. I'm getting the, the, the mint in the back end there. It's interesting. Yes. I'll definitely say it's interesting. Not exactly something I would drink a bunch of. Is just, it's just uh, I'm not really a sour person.
0: Or a mint julep guy. <laughs> or a mint julep
1: guy for that matter either. However, this I, I'm glad I did choose this because this was an interesting beer to have on it. I'll, t- I'll send a picture to you too. Please. Uh, You'll see the Celtic Trinity now. You'll see that, and you're like, oh, yeah, it looked like an Irish beer. And then you're like, oh, wait, it's not an Irish beer at all. But it's decent. Huh. If you like sours, I would definitely recommend looking for it. They don't they don't brew it anymore, so it's a collectible if you can find them. I found them nice. on the store. It looked kind of like they had them in the back or something at Schnucks for a hot second, and then brought them out because the, the label looks kind of worn down. But that'll happen over four years.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. But that's a, that's cool that you just kind of brought a little, you know. Again, sometimes like something expire that that's out of date the thing that's a cool oh, it's not expired, thing to bring. It's reserve. So they they the reserve. reserve that's what I mean. Yeah,
1: they age, they age. Yeah, no, I didn't in, mean expire. I meant
0: reserve. That's what I meant to say. Um, right, you wouldn't be drinking if it was flat out expire. But no, the way yeah. it's aged again, the way no, the way it's aged. Like I've tried, I've I try and think. I think it's called the flying dog or something i'd have to tell you but they had an, oh, uh, an oak uh you know bourbon ale and it was one of the best again something i probably wouldn't drink more than you know two or three of like in a sitting but it was absolutely uh you know delicious so i i i, I like that sour stuff kind of <laughs> definitely, definitely, max what we mix this week all right three really quick things sean and then we're gonna get moving uh onto fight corner uh, Michael Jordan is and Jordan Brand are pledging $100 million over the next 10 years to nationwide organizations dedicated to ensuring racial equality, social justice, and greater access to education. This is obviously all in support of the Black Lives uh, Matter movement. And I think it's very important for a guy like of Jordan's echelon to come up and step up. And with $100 million, that's one way of definitely uh, stepping up uh, big time here. Uh, Chris Archer, the uh, pitcher for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, Sean, is going under thoracic outlet uh, surgery. He did so on Tuesday. He will be out the rest of the 2020 season if it does happen the pirates hold uh we were talking about how cheap the pirates are so this is kind of funny how we'll do this but they have an 11 million dollar club option with a quarter million dollar buyout so very likely i could see the cheap pirates um you know, just giving away a quarter million here. However, hopefully they retain him and, you know, for their fans so they at least have, you know, a potential trade ship at the deadline to start rebuilding that farm system. Last piece, uh, Sean, that we missed out on is the NCAA Committee on Infractions just yesterday placed Oklahoma State's men's basketball program on probation for the next three years and have banned the Cowboys from playing in a postseason uh, tournament next year. The penalties are a result of a level one violation informing former associate head coach Lamont Evans, who was sentenced to uh, three months in prison just about a year ago for accepting between eighteen dollars and $22,000 in bribes to steer players away from South Carolina going to Oklahoma State for certain agents and financial advisors. Uh... Also, the NCAA has reduced the men's basketball uh, team by uh, a whole three scholarships until the uh, probation has been waived.
1: All right, moving on to Fight Corner UFC 250, which originally was scheduled for, I believe, May 9th of last month, is now set for later this evening. It'll go on pay-per-view. I believe the main card is supposed to start a little bit after 8 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. But the main event for it, we got Amanda Nunez, the, one of the greatest women's UFC fighters of all time, taking on Felicia Spencer. Nunez is 19-4 with the featherweight title. She'll look to defend it against Spencer, who is really up and coming. She's 8-1, and one, coming off a huge TKO win back in February over um, Zara Fernando Santos at Fight Night 169. and I mean, it was absolutely dominant. I watched her fight live back in February and I rewatched it again just to kind of refresh my memory and I mean she looked like an absolute animal. So this should be a great fight to watch tonight. If you are uh, you know not doing anything, could find a good stream if you can't want if you don't want to pay for the pay-per-view or if you pay for the pay-per-view. I mean, it's it's live sports and that's what we've been, you know, itching for. On top of that, there's a handful of other decent fights. Nothing really Stack up. There's only one title fight throughout the whole card and everything, and that is the Nunes-Spencer fight. That is tonight on ESPN Plus. The pay-per-view starts after the preliminary rounds finish. Should be around eight o'clock Central Time. Until then, we got a lot of stuff to talk about and look forward to for next week. I'll recap all all the cool fights that we missed that we'll have this weekend. On top of that, we'll go into the final. Rounds, the final matchups, I should say, of the first round for the bids and snubs bracket. We got Kurt Schilling taking on Bartolo Cologne. We got Omar Visquell taking on Scott Rowland. That will be the final matchups for the bid side of the bracket. And the final two matchups for the snub side of the first round will be Kenny Lofton and Oral Hersheiser, as well as Jim Ooh. Edmonds taking on Dale Murphy. Ooh. Along Ooh, with that. Man. NHL training facilities are opening up this week. We'll have the latest news from the rest of the sports world. Maybe there'll be some developments in the MLB. Maybe we'll have official news that there's going to be no baseball this, this year. It's going to be like one of those,
0: uh, one of those summers, Max. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to be playing a lot of the what if game. Uh, last thing I guess I did forget to mention, we had to today is D Day. Obviously, the Normandy landings that most people uh, attribute this to during World uh, War II. So to all of our you know veterans out there, you know, and those in the military, God bless. Happy D Day. Uh, Like we were talking about in Black One to the rest of this country, you know, I really do think it is time, Sean, for us, uh, especially us younger white people, to really, uh, you know, step up and really try to, you know, hasten the pace so that we can have more racial equality throughout the uh, country something that obviously is much necessary and needed to do so everyone who is listening please speak up please support black lives matter you know please you know exactly please support all these causes that are going to eventually go to the greater good of this country and to the greater good of this country's people which is what we're all in it for uh Anyways, though, thank you as always to the weekly fans and listeners of the Sports Talk Podcast. We would not do this without you. Signing off for Sean Conway, I'm Max Zucker, and until next week, you've been listening to the Sports Talk Podcast.